We're going to continue to worship the Lord with our gifts and our tithes and our offerings this morning. And uh, two things real quick is number one, I was going through our finances over 2016, and I looked and I saw we were able to give over $20,000 to Abraham and the work that he's doing through Christ through India. That's to support um, to caring for orphans in his orphanages. It's to support uh, some of the destitute women that have been kicked out of their homes. And it's also been to be able to advance the proclamation of the kingdom of God. So it's incredible that we've been able to do that. And I'm so grateful for every one of you and how you've given to him so generously. And also, uh, he got a hold of me actually just yesterday and said that he has a Sunday morning that he's going to be able to come visit us this year. So we won't have to do a, you know, a special Tuesday night service somewhere. We'll have him right here with us on a Sunday morning. We're trying to work that out right now, but excited about that. So Father, as we give to you, we thank you that you first gave to us, and we think especially of Brother Abraham, God, and his wife Joyce, and the great ministry that they're doing in the nation of India. And Jesus, we pray that you would continue to meet the needs of the orphans and of the widows. God, that you continue to be the hope of that nation. God, and that more and more people would come to find the life that is found only in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you're a guest here this morning, thank you so much for being here with us, uh, especially coming out on a snowy day like this. We know there's a lot of things you could have done, but you chose to be with us, and we're so grateful. You might have received a communication card when you came in. If not, you can find those on the outsides of the aisles or at the information table. We'd love to have you fill one out and turn it in, and then this week I'll shoot you an email just saying thank you so much for being here. Let me know if there's anything we can do for you. And then also, you'll get a free Radiant t-shirt as a way of saying thanks for being here. In light of the weather, maybe we should have Radiant sweatshirts, but you'll get a t-shirt. Uh, maybe next winter. Uh, Alright, so if you have your Bibles with you this morning, will you turn to two different passages? First Chronicles 28 and Matthew chapter 6. Again, that's First Chronicles 28 and Matthew chapter 6. As I was hanging out with uh, Mike this week, kind of doing a, a guy's last hangout time. Uh, we came here to see a movie, actually, and it's so weird when I come here and it's not for church, because I've been here hundreds of times for church, and I've been here, I think, twice for a movie. And it feels really weird to me, because I come in at seven at night instead of seven in the morning, and I don't enter through a door that says exit only. Nobody greets me when I come in. I have to pay money to get a ticket to come in. There's no signs. There's no coffee and cookies. Like all of these things that are just a part of what I expect when I come here weren't there. I came into the theater. I didn't have to set anything up or tear anything down. After the, uh, the previews, I didn't get up and start preaching. It was just like my whole equilibrium was off. And then at the end of the movie, we just left instead of tearing down. And uh, it was just, I was kind of reflecting and thinking back on uh, the time that we've had here, because it's been incredible. For four years, we've been meeting in the Rave theaters. They've bounced us around a couple of different places that we've been in, but uh, we've been here, and people often ask me, how was it that we ended up in a movie theater? And the answer to that's really simple. It was, they were the only people that would take our money. And it was that simple. Sometimes it's really easy to recognize where God's leading you, because there's only one door that's open for you. And that was the case with the movie theater. And it's given us lots of great memories. Uh, how many of you remember um, when we were here and I was preaching and all of a sudden the movie trivia came up on the screen? And we don't have the ability to turn that off. That's controlled by, you know, headquarters room. And so our tech people are scrambling around. They're on the radio. They're running down the aisles trying to turn it off. And there's nothing we can do. So we just start playing movie trivia for a couple of minutes until it's over. That's just one of the things you can only experience when you're in a movie theater doing church. Uh, I love the walkouts. Every now and then you say something that's pretty countercultural, and some people are offended by that, and they walk out, and that's just a part of preaching. 
I remember one time I was preaching, I didn't even say anything, I think it was probably like Jesus loves you or something super simple, and someone got up and walked out, and I remember thinking, oh wow, I didn't even expect that, you never know when people are going to be offended, and then a few minutes later they walk back in with a huge tub of popcorn <laughs> and sit back down, and I'm like, all right, I guess you never know. So now every time someone walks out, I assume they're going for concessions and that they will be back. One of my favorites, though, is it was uh, last February when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. And we're here in this opening weekend. And uh, I remember all these people are coming up and they're getting in line because it's opening weekend. Tons of people are coming to see it. And it's showing in our theater. So they're all, they have their tickets and they're coming up to the theater and it says Radiant Church. And they're like... <laughs> and there's this huge line of people all sitting there. We're like, we're tearing stuff down. God bless you. You know, we're walking <laughs> by them and they're all... <laughs> Because that's just part of what happens when you do church in a movie theater. Now, before we ever came here, it was never my plan to be in a movie theater. When we were back in Kalamazoo and we were planning everything out, I mean, even from before we moved here, we were looking around for a building and, and trying to find a place where we thought maybe we'd end up in a school or something like that. Uh, but we ended up in a movie theater, and it's been really cool because we have these really comfortable chairs. It smells like buttery popcorn. And every now and then someone comes in cursing loudly in the middle of the service looking for a movie. And uh, that's just a part of the fun of it. So it's been cool to see what God's done for us. And it really was his provision for us to be here. But the time of this open door for us being at the theater is coming to a close now. And what's happening is uh, this spring they're going to be installing all luxury recliners in every theater here. Which to you might sound awesome because you'll be able to lay back flat while I'm preaching and take a nap much easier. It'll be much more conducive to your Sunday morning uh, napping but the big issue, on top of me not being able to preach well enough to keep you us awake when you're laying flat back in the luxury recliner, is that it's going to take us down to 100 usable seats. Because they're so big, they're so much wider, because they have to go forward and backwards, they're going to take this theater, and actually all the theaters are going to go way down in seating, and we'll only be able to fit 100 people in here, and that's if we fill every single seat. I was trying to cram through it and do the math and figure out how can we continue to make this work, and uh, I figured out we could do two services here, the amount of time that they'd be willing to rent to us. We could do two services, but that means that what we're at right now, we would already be capped out at how many people we could accommodate and how many people we could fit in Radiant Church. We would be capped at the 200 people that we are right now, and that's if we took up every single seat. There would be no more room at Radiant Church for any more people, and that's unacceptable. That's something that we cannot have happen to us. You know, what Jesus called us to do was to go and to make disciples. This was the call to the church. Every believer, if you're part of this, if you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, you've put your faith and your hope and your trust in him for your salvation, and now you follow him, that means that you're part of the church. And the church has been called to make more disciples of Jesus Christ. And God has strategically positioned us. If you're in here, that means you live in this area. And one of the reasons that Ann and I came here is because there's such a high percentage of people that aren't a part of the church here. We wanted to go to a place where very few people were a part of the church, and we wanted to spend our lives pouring ourselves out so that people here in Washington County and Ann Arbor and Ipsy, Celine, Milan, Dexter would know Jesus and that they would find the life that only comes from him. That means that every single one of us, we're a missionary. If you've ever dreamed about saying, God, I want to be a missionary, I want you to send me somewhere where I can do something incredible, good news, he answered that prayer, and you might not even have realized that. You are strategically positioned where you are in a place where many, many people are far from Jesus. There are hundreds of thousands of people in Washtenaw County that don't know Jesus. 
And what that means is that we can't continue to have room for 200 people when there are hundreds of thousands of people that have not yet found the life, the freedom, and the hope that is only found in Jesus. We have to continue to make more room for more people. It's something that we just have to do. If we were not to do that, if we say we're just going to cap out at 200 and we're just going to stay our little group, we'd be betraying the call of God on our life. We'd be betraying the vision that God has put inside of every one of our hearts. And we would be betraying the people that God has positioned us around who are living a hellish life right now and have a hellish eternity that's awaiting them. We can't do that. We have to make room for more people. And while this development might have come as a surprise to us, it certainly didn't come as a surprise to God. Uh, it was over a year ago, the, um, I think the second week in January, we started our, our seek last year. We were praying and fasting. And one of the things that we were praying and fasting for was that God would give us a building. Because we knew this was something that we would eventually need. I didn't know how soon we would need it, but I'm glad that God moved on our hearts and we began to pray and pray for that. And what's really incredible is that now as this door is closing for us, another door is opening uh, at just the right time. And I think you're really going to like what's behind this new door. Uh, 242 Community Church just moved into their new location. I'm friends with the pastors over there. They're incredible. That's the building that they have been meeting in for the last five years. And just as we're needing a new building, they've moved into a new one, and they're looking to sell this building. And one of the incredible things about this is this is move-in ready. Every other place that we've looked at for the last four and a half years would take hundreds of thousands of dollars to renovate it. Some of them close to a million dollars to be able to make it so you could go in there and meet as a church. Well, they already did that for us five years ago when they bought this building. All that we would have to do is to buy some chairs, put them in there. We won't have chairs like this, so don't get your hopes up too high. It's not going to be like metal folding chairs, but it's not going to be high back leather recliners either. Do some paint, touch up a little bit of carpet. Looks like a couple places where there were some animal sacrifices or something happened. <laughs> But we can go there. This place is ready for us to move into. Look, it's even got a Photoshop radiant sign on it. But when I look at this building, when I look at the outside of it, what I see is, do you guys remember the first time you came to Radiant Church? You remember the first time you've gone to any church? You go there and there's some hope or there's some expectation inside of you, especially if you're someone and you're going through a hard time in life. Maybe you're lost, you're hurt, you're broken, you haven't yet made that decision to follow Jesus. And as you're going to that place, there's some hope inside of you that maybe today God's going to meet you. Maybe today God's going to do something incredible inside of your life. We've had people that came to Radiant Church that were going to commit suicide that day. And they said, God, I'm going to give you one last chance. If you're real, would you come or would you speak to me? And in that moment, they came to church and God spoke to them and they made a decision to follow Jesus. And they're alive today because of that, because Jesus healed their broken heart. He gave them a purpose and a reason for living. And they found the true life that is found only in Jesus. There are going to be people that are driving up to that building, that are parking in those spots, and they're filled with hope. They're filled with an expectation that maybe today God's going to do something great in their life. And then the auditorium is really great for us. It seats 300 comfortably, but they told me they packed out 406 in there uh, when it was like shoulder-to-shoulder, love-your-neighbor kind of seating. Now, that is great for us because as a church of 200, we can go in there and we'll still feel full, so it won't be awkward like you're in this huge cavernous space and there's nobody there. But it also gives us the opportunity to do a lot of growth through multiple services. 
At 242, when they moved in there, they spent four years being portable, just like we've been, and they said the whole time they bounced around between 150 and 200 people, just like we've been doing. They said that they started out there, they had their first service, they had 201 people, and over the next five years, they grew to 1,200 people and had 1,500 people at Easter, which means that that little building, it can do a lot. There is a lot of room for us to grow there, and we will grow there. Because one of the biggest lids for us is that we are a portable church and we meet in a movie theater. And even though we do a great job of turning this place into a movie theater, it's still not like having a place where it's been created and it's been built and it's purposed for being a place for you to come and to encounter Jesus. See, when I look at that room, I, I don't see the chairs there and I definitely see some new carpet. But what I do see is that's the place where the family of God gathers. That's the place where the people who were hurt they were broken, they were lost, and they were hopeless, but they came and they found life and they found hope in Jesus. And now they gather every week because they come to raise holy hands in prayer and in worship because they're glorifying their Father for what it is that he's done in their life. They're coming into that room to be trained and equipped as the believers, as a church, to go out and to do the work of the church. I see people coming there and they're being baptized as they're identifying with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I see the church that is gathering and they're continuing to grow and know more fully the identity that they have found in Jesus and the blessings that he's just longing to pour out in their life. I see us growing and reaching the city that's around us because of what Jesus is going to do inside of that room. It also has a really great gathering space for us. The church is a family and one of the things that we have to do as a family is we have to get together and we need to build relationships with each other. We need to have some time to hang out, to touch base, all of those sorts of things. And what this is going to do is allow us to have that space. I mean, it's, it's cool that we have a foyer and all of that stuff, but this isn't the most accommodating space for us to meet in. But when we go, then we're able to design a space where it's, hey, this is where you can go and you can make new friends. If you're new here, you go out here and we have the people. They're looking to connect with you. And we don't know if they're here to see a horror flick or if they're here for Jesus, but it makes some interesting conversations that we have here. But right there, we can purposely and intentionally engage with people, create spaces where you can connect with other people, develop those relationships. I look at that space, and I see people that are laughing together, people crying together, encouraging each other, spurring each other on, connecting with each other. I see God doing incredible things as the family continues to develop the unity that we have. The kids' space is fantastic. Uh, right now, we have two party rooms and a storage room that we turned into a kids' space. And I was just looking at our six to tens today, and that place is blowing up. Right now, we have three spaces that we can use, but here we have seven different rooms that we'll be able to use. They even have a conference room for the kids' government class, I guess. But <laughs> what it does is it enables us to really minister to these kids like we never have before. One of the big focuses of Radiant Church this year is we really want to partner with parents more and in better ways to instill an unshakable faith in Jesus in the hearts of our children. They're the most precious gift that God has given us. We have an obligation to do everything that we can to teach them to love Jesus, to teach them the identity and the purpose that they have in Jesus. And this is going to allow us to do that like never before. We will be able to minister to our This is a game changer for us. Because when I look at those rooms, what I see is our kids' team. And they're in there, and they're modeling. They're demonstrating the sacrificial love of Jesus to our children. They're teaching them to love Jesus, to love worship, and to pray. 
to pray for each other. I love seeing our kids when I peek my head in their rooms and they're praying for each other. They're praying for their families. They're dancing around in worship. I see kids squealing and having fun. I'm a realist. There'll be some kids crying that I'm seeing inside of that. (laughs) But I see us raising and training the next generation to follow Jesus, just like young Davids who from the days of their youth were trained to follow after him. And there was a harvest of righteousness that was born in their lives because of that, and it'll be even greater in the generation that they raise up. The location is also a really, uh, there's so many opportunities that come up from the location of this place. Is one, is that it's right off the highway, so it's really easy access from every direction. But then number two, is that it's two miles from the U of M campus. Uh, When we came here, we wanted to be able to really be a part of what God is wanting to do in the lives of our college students. And one of the things that happens is right now, 75% of all the people that are going into the university campuses that are a part of church and then go to the campus, 75% of them end up leaving their faith behind before they graduate. And part of that's because the faith wasn't fully established in them before that point. And then part of it is also that now they're going onto a campus where there's a lot of pressure to walk away from faith in Jesus, and they're removed from a community of people that are going to encourage them and continue to spur them on and pray for them and be family to them. And right now, we've just been too far away from campus to be able to do a lot of those sorts of things. But by being there close to campus, we're going to be able to reach the students who are there. Uh, For those that already have made a decision to follow Jesus, encourage them, help them stay strong in their faith, help them to see themselves as missionaries on campus and to continue to see the kingdom of God advance there. Then the other thing that's really incredible there is uh, when I look at what happened at Pentecost, it was all of the nations of the earth were gathered together in one city. The Holy Spirit is poured out on them. Everybody begins to preach Jesus and his resurrection to all of those who are around Everybody hears it in their own language, and then they go back to the the countries and the cities that they're from. And they preach Jesus there, and that's where churches are started. The Church of Rome wasn't planted by an apostle. There was someone who was there at Pentecost that heard Jesus preach, goes back, preaches Jesus, and that's how that church starts. We are obviously mission-minded here. We put lots of money into funding missionaries. But one of the greatest ways that we're going to be able to continue what Jesus is doing overseas and even in our, like just nationally in our country, was when we continue to view ourselves as a Pentecost type of a city. In Washington County, there are more than 180 countries represented here that are living here because they come in for jobs, they come in for grad school, uh, different things like that. A lot of them are here temporarily and then going back to wherever they might be from, whether it's the United States or internationally. If we say, God, use us like it was at Pentecost, where your Holy Spirit's poured out, we preach Jesus, we bring people in, we disciple them, we resource them, we equip them, and then we send them back to the places they're from, they already have the connections, the relationships, they understand the culture of the place, they're going to be able to do more for the kingdom than we could ever do ourselves. This is a Pentecost city, and this is going to allow us to be able to be more of a Pentecost church to those people that are here. And here's the one concern that I know some of you might have. Is that this is, uh, it's on Maple, Maple Road, and so that means that it's farther west than where we are right now. And when I started looking at it, my concern was, oh man, is that too far away for people that live, that are coming from the east? And so I went and drove it. If you're like me, I live in the suburbs of Ipsy Township, and so even though it was about six or seven miles farther for me to drive there, it only took me four minutes longer to get there because of the highways. So uh, actually, for, we have a strong group of people that come here from Plymouth, and I was really concerned for them because I love them dearly, and I didn't want to move ourselves away from them. 
and I had one of them go and drive it, and they found out it was actually three minutes quicker for them to get to church by us being over there because of the highway. So Plymouth people, we got you covered. Uh, and for the rest of you that you're looking at it and you're saying it's going to be a longer drive for me to get there, this is what I would say. In light of the door that's closing here for us and not being able to reach more people with Jesus by staying in the theater, and in the light of the incredible kingdom opportunities that are going to be available to us to reach more people, to reach our children better, to be able to reach uh, the students better, to be able to create a place where more people can come and encounter Jesus, I think it's worth the four or five minute longer drive. To me, that's a small sacrifice to make in light of everything that God's doing there. For the mission of Jesus, for his kingdom cause, I'm willing to drive five minutes farther once a week for him. And I hope that you all can have that same heart in it as well. So here's where we're at in the process. We have a deal in place with 242, and over the last year, as we were praying and fasting, we also knew that we needed to be saving, and so we were able to save up $120,000 last year for a down payment on a building. Uh, for a little church like this, that's incredible. And so I met with our lender a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, oh, it was so funny, because of the network of churches that we're a part of, uh, he's dealt with a lot of the other churches that are in our family. He's like, oh, yeah, we love working with your family. Every single loan's gone just incredible. You pay it all back faster. You're all great leaders. I'm like, yes, yes, tell me more. <laughs> I don't know this guy, but hey, I will go off the good graces that others have won for us. He's like, your savings are great. Your income's great. Your budget's set up well. You guys, have, it's incredible what you guys are able to do with a church your age and your size. And so we said that we'll have no problem being able to make this deal happen. And he said, but what you need is to bring another $150,000 to the table to be able to finish off the down payment for this building. And uh, that sounded like a whole lot of money to me when I talked to him. And that's because it honestly is a lot of money, uh, but it's not a lot of money for Jesus. And this is what I had to realize, is that this is something that God can do. This is something that's going to be tough for us to do of our own, but this is something that Jesus can certainly do for us. And I know, so now this is what happened. You've been in churches before where they were getting a new building. You think, oh gosh, here comes the month-long sermon series on giving. Here comes the pledge cards. Here comes the apportionment shares, all that kind of stuff. That's not what's going to happen. Every time that I approach everything, and because I've been in your seat and I hate that stuff too, so I said, what is it that the Bible says about how we're supposed to go about doing that? That's the approach that I take for everything is, even if it seems foolish to everybody else, I'm always going to look to what it is that the Bible says, and we're going to follow that to the best of our abilities. And there's a story in there of David as he's preparing to build the temple that really spoke to what it is that we're in right now. And it says this in 1 Chronicles 28, 20 through 21. As David's preparing, he knows that he can't build the temple, but his son Solomon will do it. And he's addressing the nation. It says, Then David continued, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you, he will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. So the first thing that's being said there is be bold and courageous because God is doing this. Anytime that we want to do something great, anytime that we want to do something big for the kingdom, there's always the opportunity to be scared. There's always the opportunity to shrink back in fear. And God knows this, and this is why so many times in the Bible, God's always saying, don't be scared. Be not afraid. Don't be discouraged. He's constantly encouraging us because he knows that what we do is we just look at every problem and we say, there's no way that I can do this. It's beyond me. I'm going to freak out and I'm going to quit. And God's always coming and he's always saying, don't be scared. Don't be worried. I'm the God who nothing is impossible for. And what he's saying right here is that I'm the one who's going to make sure that this happens. 
David, tell the nation that it's not about Solomon, it's not about you, that I'm going to see to it that this work that I've called you to is finished correctly. Not just finished, but it's going to be done right. And this is what I'm convinced of. God is in this. God has closed this door here, and God has opened the door there. He is in this. He spoke to us a year ago as we began to fast and pray and as we began to save and put money away for it. And we have to be bold and we have to be courageous. We can't shrink back in fear in this moment because of, of what it could mean for us. We boldly move into what it is that God has called us to because it's not about us. It's about Jesus. And it's about his infinite ability and about his provision and following the vision that he's put inside of our hearts as a church. God himself is going to see that we do this and that we do it right. And then he continues in chapter 29, verse 1 says, Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. And boy, can I relate to that. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. What we're doing is we are creating a place where people will encounter God. And it's so important to remember this. Buildings aren't about buildings. It's not about having a place where we don't have to set up and tear down anymore. That's, a, that's like icing on the cake, but that's not what it's about. It's not about trying to find a place that looks better. It's not about any of those things. What it's about is that we're getting the building because this is the place that's not just for us. This is the place where God himself is going to reveal himself to other people. When people come in, they're not just going to encounter me and my lame jokes and my goat stories. That cannot change anybody. That can drive people away. I've discovered that for four years. Thank you. <laughs> Someone likes the goat stories. There we go. You've encouraged me. You shouldn't have done that. <laughs> when people come into the place where the church meets, they encounter the living God. You know, when I look, as I just look around this room right here, I see the wits and I think about what it was that Jesus did in your boy Oliver. When the doctors gave him no hope, but the church prayed, the living God showed up and he revealed himself and miraculously healed their child. And the doctors came in from out of state because they told the doctors, Jesus healed our boy. And they say, no, we're going to find out what really happened. And the doctors came in and they couldn't find out what really happened aside from Jesus miraculously healed their little boy. That happens because this isn't a place for mere mortals. This is the place where we meet the living God. And we need more of that, not less of that. We need to make more room so more people can have those kinds of encounters with Jesus. When I think about, uh, when I see Tommy and how God miraculously revealed himself. He was, living, he was a Muslim doing his best to seek God through Islam, and Jesus miraculously revealed himself to him. And then he came into Radiant Church. He makes a decision to follow Jesus, and he's a disciple, and he's the one that's brewing your coffee every single Sunday morning. That's a, you guys are excited about that. And when I see the way he's continuing to be discipled and he loves Jesus, we need more room for that, not less room. We can't be capped out. When I, when I think about the marriages that God has restored here, and people where there was incredible abuse that was going on or there were affairs going on and different things like that, and it looked like there was no way that this relationship could ever be reconciled. But they came and they met with the God who nothing is impossible for. It wasn't just that they encountered mere mortals. They encountered Jesus 
and he saved their marriage. And even for the people whose marriages weren't saved, they still encountered Jesus, and he still came and became their encouragement and walked with them through the pain and the suffering they were going through, and he still restored them. We need more of that. We can't be capped out. We need to see Jesus move in our families and in our marriages. When I think of what God's been doing in kids' ministry, we have, like, you go there and you play Mario Kart, and that's a lot of fun. It's almost a spiritual experience, but not quite. <laughs> but then we tell them about Jesus. And these kids, for the first time, some of them, they have this awakening to the love of God for them. And we've seen so many children make a decision to follow Jesus. And we continue to encourage them and to build that faith in them. We're running out of room there. We need more room for more kids to know Jesus. We need to create places where people encounter the living God. And that's what God has been doing so faithfully here. Week after week, month after month, year after year, as we come here, people are finding life. They're finding hope. They're finding encouragement. They're awakening to the purpose and the destiny that God has for them and the life itself that Jesus has to give them. We must make more room for more people to be able to receive that as they encounter the living God. And then it goes on to say, Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of ox and other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasure of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for his holy temple. And what that's saying is that leaders lead in giving. David had the command of all of the resources of the nation, and he allocated those to the building of the temple. But then he goes beyond that, and he says that I'm giving all of my private treasure as well. He didn't just use other people's resources to do it. He was all in himself. It says that he put all of his treasure into doing that, everything. And that's where Anna and I are at in this. We recognize that there's a clear biblical model that if you're going to lead someone into something, that you have to lead them into that. You can't ask other people to do something that you're not willing to do. You can't, you can't lead from behind. You can't even lead from a side of someone. Is that for leaders, we have to be all in on this. We have to be like David. And when Ann and I started the church, we were all in. We used our retirement, we used our savings, everything. When you look around, my, my retirement plan is I'm going to live in these speakers and I'm going to use these lights. That's, that's what my retirement plan became. And we were all in on it, all of our treasure we put into this. And it was the best investment we ever made. Because what God did was he took something as insignificant as paper with colors and faces and numbers on it and he turned it into souls. People are gathering here every Sunday. Hundreds of people that have made a decision to follow Jesus, that have received hope and healing and restoration, freedom. That was well worth it to us. And we feel that once again, God has called Ann and I to go all in. And he's not going to tell that to all of you. But what we're doing is we're all in on this. Everything that we have, we're going in on that. Because we believe that the miracle that God did in starting this church is going to be multiplied as we move into this new location. And now then, who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? Then the family leaders and leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains of the army, the king's administrative officers, all gave willingly 
for the construction of the temple of God, they gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced greatly over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. But what this is saying is that the people of Israel, they gave freely and wholeheartedly. Now, we don't need 188 tons of gold. If we just have one, we're going to be set. <laughs> just one ton of gold, that's all we need, people. No. But David, what he does, he said, who's with me on this? This great thing that God has called us to, so that others will know God and be able to come and encounter God, who's with me and who's willing to give and to join me in this great work that God's called him to. What God's called us to do is bigger than something that Anna and I could do on our own. It's bigger than any just few of us could do on our own. It's something that's going to require all of us going in on this so that we can see God do something that's incredible. And it says this is the way that they gave. They gave freely. That means without compulsion. David didn't levy a tax on them and say, you have to give this amount. He didn't get, okay, look, I'm going to do the offering, get the swords out, and kind of like poking people along, making them give. That's not how he called them to give. He said, I want you to give freely. There's not an apportionment share that you have to give. You might not give anything. You're still welcome in Radiant Church. We're not going to do high pressure. We're not going to do guilt trips. We're not going to do anything like that. What we want is for God to move on your heart so that you freely and joyfully give to what it is that he's called us to, that you give towards this vision that he's put in our hearts. And then it says that they gave wholeheartedly. Their whole heart was in it. The desire that God had placed in them was that we're going to create a place where people can encounter the living God. And my heart, the will, the desire of my heart is all attached to this. Because my heart and everything I am is attached to this desire, I'm going to give towards it. And this is a verse that, that God really brought to my heart that speaks to us because we give to whatever our heart is attached to. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Now, we all have treasure. Some of us have more than others. Uh, some of us keep it in a jar on top of our refrigerator. But we all have some, and whatever our heart's connected to is what we end up giving to. And this heart was really convicting. I'm not proud of this, what I'm about to share with you, but I'll share it because I want to be honest with you is when we started thinking about this, like, we got to raise $150,000. Uh, my thought was, okay, Lord, just give me a number that you want me to give, but Lord, I don't want to go in like all the way. I can't give everything again. I was like, God, I've done this before several times. You know, I don't want to have to do all of this again because you know, I need to save for my retirement. I need to, uh, I got to get my van fixed. And I was like, what if I have to have surgery again this year? That seems like a yearly thing for me that meets all my deductibles. And so I was like, God, I, and these are all okay desires. I'm not trying to say if you have any financial concern or wisdom in you, that's a bad thing. But God brought this to me specifically as I was going through what it was that I should give to it. Because he needed to speak to me as the leader of this church and my attitude towards giving so that I could lead this church into it. And what happened was, as God spoke this to me, I had to repent. I said, God, forgive me. 
for just thinking about all of these temporary things in this earth, for trying to provide for myself to be my own security at the cost of other people. I said, God, we're going all in again because I believe that in response to what I give to create this place for others to encounter you, that there will be thousands of people who come to know you that there will be lives that are forever saved, that the treasure that we're going to store up in heaven is going to be the eternal souls of those who are lost, who are hurting, who are broken, who are far from Jesus. But because we sacrifice to wholeheartedly and freely give to make a place where they can encounter God, God did something inside of their lives in response to that. And their destiny was forever changed and they will be in heaven forever with Jesus and I will get to meet them one day. That's the reward that we receive. That's the treasure that no one could ever take from us. And I said, God, forgive me for the way that I've just tried to better my 70 or 80 years here on this earth. Because I know that when I'm in heaven and I look back, I will never once wish that I had done more for myself. I will wish that I had done more so that Jesus could be glorified and so that others could find life. And then, of course, I thought of the end of Schindler's List. And this, the moment he had of like, what could I have done to reach more? And so here's what we did. After Ann and I decided that we were going to go all in on this, I went to the, my staff and I, I told them about what it was that we were going to do and I asked them to join us in this. I said, we can't ask other people to give if we, the leaders and the staff of this church, aren't first giving. And I asked them to pray about what it was that God would have them give. So a couple weeks ago when I met with our banker, he said we needed another $150,000 to be able to close on this building and do everything right. I went to our leaders, I cast a vision for them, asked them to pray about it. And this is the amazing thing. That $150,000 that we needed has now dropped down to $92,000 that we need because of the generosity of the staff here. And these aren't people of great means. They're people of great passion an incredible generosity because they want more for us. They want more for this city. So now what we have to do is we have to raise another $92,000 so that we can get into this church. And what I'm asking you to do is to, we have one week left in our Seek series, and I'm gonna, I'll preach next week on Seek 2 since this kind of was a messed up message. But uh, I wanted to share this answer to prayer that God's given us and share what it is that we have to do. So spend this next week really praying and fasting about, God, what is it that you would have me give to this building? This is what I believe, is that when we're all obedient to what it is that God speaks to us, we don't have to get up there and say, okay, if everybody gives $20 a week for the next 13 years, we don't have to do that kind of stuff. We just have to say, God, you know what it is that we need, and you're going to move on our hearts so that collectively, as we're obedient to what it is that you've called us to do, it's going to be the amount that we need to get into that place. It doesn't have to be high pressure. It doesn't have to be guilt or any of those kinds of things. It just has to be obedience. For some of you, it's not going to be a huge earth-shaking thing for you to do this. For some of you, it might be that God speaks to you go, to go all in like he has to myself and some of our staff. And this is why I'd say I, I don't feel guilty or bad asking you to be obedient because when you're obedient to Jesus, I would always rather give everything I have in obedience to what he's called me to and live with his blessing on my life than to hold on to something in disobedience and walk without his blessing. All I want you to do is to pray, to fast, and to ask Jesus what it is he would have you freely and wholeheartedly give to this so that we can create more place 
for people to know Jesus. And on February 12th, which is two weeks from today, we're going to do an offering for that. Uh, if you want, you can, if you're like, hey, you know how much God's called you to give, you can do that. You can drop in the offering with, you know, right, building fund on it, or you can give online. Uh, there's a building fund option there. But on February 12th, we're going to pray, and we're going to dedicate it to the Lord, and we're going to take up the offering. And then on the 19th, if you missed that or forgot, you'll be able to give one more time on the 19th. And then we're going to see what it is that the Lord has done, and we're going to move in faith into this building that God's called us to. And right now, it looks like we're going to be able to close and be in there before Easter of this year. Uh, if you're a guest with us today, I recognize this is kind of an odd Sunday to come for your first time. This isn't what we do every week. I know there's churches that are like that. Everybody's like, give, give, give. But that's not, this is the first time in four and a half years that I've ever come to the church to ask to give towards something. But what I hope that you take away from today is that we're a church that is so passionate about reaching people with the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we're willing to sacrificially give. I hope that you've been able to see a part of the heart that we have, the vision that we have. And I hope that you know that the love that we have for our city is because of the love that we found in Jesus and the model that he set for us. The reason that we're going to sacrifice for others is because Jesus has first sacrificed for us. It says that Jesus gave up the glory of heaven where he had all of the riches of the world, where he was worshipped and adored by angels as he rightly should be. But he gave all of that up. He emptied himself. He became poor. He became a servant to all people. He came and identified with us in the weakest of our moments. And he went to the cross and laid down his life for us, taking all of our sin upon himself and paying the price for it once and for all so that we could have life. He did that for me and he did that for you. He's done that for every single one of us here. And all you have to do to receive the new life and the forgiveness of sins that he's made available to you is you just say, Jesus, I believe in you. My faith and my hope for my salvation is in you. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. And I'm surrendering control of my life over to you. From this day forward, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Send your Holy Spirit to fill me, to lead me, and to guide me. From this day forward, my life is yours. And that's what we're about as a church, is continuing to proclaim that message. It's continuing to demonstrate that message to those who are far from Jesus and creating places where they can receive life, freedom, healing, hope, and restoration. Would you join me in praying this morning? Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your goodness. And Jesus, this morning, once again, we come before you, turning away from the old life and the old desires and, and putting our minds squarely and fully on you. And Jesus, we ask that you would continue to stir up our hearts. We know that this thing that you've called us to is bigger than any one of us. We know that you're our provision. God, would you speak to our hearts as a church as to what it is that we've been called to do so that we can go into this place that you've prepared for us and see thousands of people come to know you. 
Jesus, would you continue to build and to train and to equip us as the church to go out and to proclaim that gospel message. And Jesus, we pray that as we move into this next phase, God, that thousands would come to know you. God, that marriages would be restored, that the sick would be healed. Jesus, we pray that those who are hopeless and without any desire to continue living would find life that's inside of you. Jesus, we pray that you would come and you would mend the pieces of the broken hearts. Jesus, that those who have been suffering under oppression and bondage, Jesus, that they would find freedom that comes only in you. God, for those who feel like they're outsiders, those who are ostracized and far from you and have been rejected by the world, Jesus, that they would come to find the acceptance that they found in you and in you alone. God, we pray that you would use Radiant Church, that you would set us up like a city that's on a hill that shines your glorious light to all of those around us. That's a beacon of hope, a beacon of hope in the living God and what it is that you can do. God, would you fill our hearts so full of passion, so full of fire for you and laying our lives down for you, God, that there would be nothing that can stop us and nothing that can distract us from everything that you've called us to. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to call my prayer partners forward and they're just going to be in this front section here. And if there's anything that we can pray for you about, we would absolutely love to do that. Every week we see God move in response to the prayers of his people. I'll be right up here and some of the other prayer partners will come and let us pray with you. If not, I encourage you to go out there, drink some coffee, eat some snacks, make some friends, pray hard, and we'll see you next week. God bless.